Yeah, <laughs> you reached up to the mic like you were going to turn the fountain down. <laughs> it's like the movie click. You just turn turn the volume on life down. To go away. <laughs> well, I hope that it's soothing and not annoying. Listen to those birds that chirp. I find it soothing. But if you need to pee while listening to this podcast, that could be problematic. <laughs> to pee. Welcome that was to- sad. Oh. That's even more sad. I'm drinking water. These water bottles are ruining the show. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting mistakes for me. My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch back in the gym, Kristen Bloom. And I'm sitting across from I got a job. The badass job, Bloom, job, 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 recently job, employed. Job, 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 I got that job, 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 job. job. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's probably not appropriate to call you a badass bitch, so you're just badass bloom. <laughs> Recently re-employed. Ah, the badass book protector Brett Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your actual title. Like, they should put that on your badass name tag. Badass book protector. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the protector of literature. <laughs> I am the library security guard. It'll be about a month before I get to start, but I did get the acceptance call today, and I spoke with the city. And my benefits are all going to roll over, so I don't need to worry about going back into a probationary period or losing my vacation hours that I've built up in the past three years. And I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited for you. So I'm partying. By partying, I mean doing what I do every day because my life's a motherfucking party. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit of an exaggeration. It's not. But (laughs) you do you. It's mainly like the Kafka line from the trial. One big circle. <laughs> no, I think it'll it'll be good. Good change of pace. You've been in the same job for several years now, and I think especially when that job isn't a job you necessarily want to do long term, that by itself can be mm-hmm. um, something that wears on you over time. Yeah. Well, long time listeners would know that I took the job uh, so that we could get up here and have a paycheck, so that we wouldn't be homeless immediately. And it was initially just supposed to be like a six-week position with animal control, cleaning the shelter uh, during a busy time. It was more of a favor from like my step-aunt than it was like they actually needed me there mm-hmm. at the time. And then there were massive staff turnovers. I wound up getting hired um, after my temp period was extended like three different times. I wound up getting hired by the county to do the animal control position. And then there were more staff layovers, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to sound callous. I do enjoy working with the animals. Like that it was really fun, but I was starting to get really burned out by the front desk side of the job because yeah. half of my day was spent cleaning animals, dealing with the animals, and I really did enjoy that part. But by the end of that, like four or five hours of the day, um, then I'm sitting at the front desk dealing with the phone that doesn't stop ringing, the people that never stop coming in the front door, all the minutia of trying to do three other jobs from a desk yeah, uh, was really starting to burn me up psychologically. So I think this will be a really good change for good for my mental health. It's a block and a half away from a jujitsu gym that I've been thinking about, you know, poking my head into. Um, the hours are going to be a bit wonkier, so I don't exactly know when our, what our new recording dates and yeah, stuff like that are going to be. Um, but it'll be fun. It's a pay bump. Puts me in a library. I'm a happy boy. I'm assuming on the plus side you'll more than likely still have Sundays off because I don't think they're open on Sundays at all. So we'll yeah. still get Sundays together. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I have discussed with them is one night out of the week I do have to stay there until close, like 9 o'clock, um, which isn't a problem for me in a work schedule type way but I need to, because you're going into your masters, um, they understand that I kind of want to build that day of the week around what your schedule looks like so that if I'm at work until 9, you don't get home at like 4 and sit around waiting on me to get back so that we can eat or anything. Well, I don't know. You and Jax have started a ritual of doing a W. Maybe, Maybe if that ends up being the case Jax and I will W. (laughs) See how calm and happy he is over here? Did you do one today? Yep, did one today. He cracked me the fuck up. We got out. I found like a new little... W's are abbreviations for walks. Jax knows what the word means. (laughs) He gets... 
For really listeners excited. who weren't aware. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we found a new, like, cut through, or I found a new cut through, um, the week before last. It allows us to do like a good mile and a half loop if I cut through this one field and into a different neighborhood without having to do the whole thing on a pretty busy highway. So um, we've been going doing that almost every day, which I think is good. Again, I, I bought pre-workout. Exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I bought pre-workout today so that I can try to figure out oh, nice. my gym schedule again. Did uh, you get your your fancy vitamins? I need to order those. I keep forgetting to, but yeah. I, I've got my little one-a-days, but they're not doing it for me. Um, but, yeah, he I broke his brain today because we go through this field, and there's all these groundhog like holes. You can see they just shoot in and out of them. They shoot across the little highway there. There's hundreds of ones that get killed every summer. It's There's thousands of these fucking things. And we got within five feet of one before I realized it was there. Jax took off after it on the leash, of course, because I'm a responsible dog owner. Um <laughs> Jax took off after it, and it jumped up and dumped into its hole. And Jax was just staring at the earth, like, "What the fuck?" Did they? Like he didn't see the it's hole magic. in the ground, so he was like, "Where's my little buddy?" He just fucking evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> so he was staring at the hole, staring at me, tilting his head, staring at the hole. <laughs> He's like, "It's a real life hedgie." <laughs> so he he saw his first one in the field today. We ran through the field today. So we got a little bit even more exercise because I was running behind on time. And uh, even in those two weeks, like that mile and a half, he's still coming back with a little bit of energy. So when we hit about the quarter of the way into the field, you know, where it kind of straightens out, Mm -hmm. I just busted into a sprint and he chased me. He cracks me up with that because (laughs) he's not particularly from what like I've seen anyway, a dog that'll bust out into a run. Like, yeah, if you throw the ball or whatever, he'll go after the ball. But yeah, he always does that because I've done that before. If you start running, he's like, oh, we're running? Okay. (laughs) And I'll run with you. He's just bucking it. So we sprinted through the field and then he, uh, as he was trying to catch his breath, I was like, I don't think he's going to need the extra little loop around (laughs) the apartment. I think I got him. Yeah, he looks pretty tired. (laughs) Oh, poor baby. Yeah. It's something I wish that I would have done more of. I mean, I did a lot of it when we were in Tennessee. By the time we got up here and got these jobs, hate to say, not the most responsible when it came to exercising the dog because he got really sick at one point and he gained a bunch of weight. And so he would get tired just coming up the stairs there for a minute. Well, also, last summer was so bad, and it's not really practical. Yeah, Yeah. it's not really practical to do it in the winter because his little paws get so cold. (laughs) And he doesn't like his booties. No, he hates the booties. He Um, loves the snow when it's fresh, but he hates it, like, day two. (laughs) Well, also just standing in it. Like, you can tell it hurts his feet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, last summer was just terrible with fire season, so... Like, that's the downside to here. I mean, like, it's really muggy and hot in Tennessee, but for the most part, year-round, you can um, yeah. kind of do stuff even in the August winter. August is a bit rough, but you got to find shadows for them to lay yeah. down. <laughs> but even in the winter, like, it's few and far between that it's so miserably cold yeah. out, you couldn't go. Yeah, as long as it's not raining, you're okay. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe the summer will be nicer and we can do a lot more of it. Because, yeah, yeah he's... Bounced back quite a bit. He fits into his vest, which I was surprised. I did not think he'd fit into his little doggy vest. Um, yeah, we don't know what he got sick with, if anybody's curious, because the doctor didn't know, but there was some sort of an internal bleeding um, that he was on death's door for a good day or two. Before I suspect then. it was that bone. I think it was this bone that got brought into the shelter, too. But Whatever it was, it was terrible for him. He put on all this weight. These meds that he was on had him peeing like every five yeah, minutes. He was on steroids. <laughs> Got pretty fucking fat. Yeah. He was real fat for a minute there. Like he looked like a polar bear from behind. So we've been doing a lot more of that. I think that's been good for my mental health. I find myself talking to the dog while we're out walking around. And like the other day, I got back from work and it was a particularly rough day at work. So I came home, grabbed you, and the three of us went out. And by the time I came back up to the apartment, I felt a lot more centered. Yeah. So. You know, I know that it's a groundbreaking revelation that even the smallest amount of exercise does wonders for your mental health, but even the smallest amount of exercise does well, wonders for your of, mental health. Well, I think part of it, too, is the fresh air. Like, I think if we had, like, done a lap around an indoor track, you wouldn't necessarily have found it as rewarding. Like, mm-hmm. I think part of it's getting out into the sunlight and the fresh air, because 
we both have like inside jobs so you're basically locked into a room all day and then it's nice to have that time to yeah. get outside get and, out like, and get that d from <laughs> from the sun from the sun <laughs> getting dicked down by the sun <laughs> that's exciting that you bought pre-workout though so yeah well, were you at the store earlier and you were just like yeah, want to do it they've added um an extra aisle over there at the Walmart, and one of them's got like a whole supplement Supplements, section. Because yeah. they used to not have shit, but now they've got like a whole wall built in with actual things that you would find at a GNC. Um, and We do have a GNC here. I'm thinking about popping into it sometime this week and just seeing what they have. Yeah. I didn't buy any proteins, but I bought my old pre-workout. So I was like, holy shit, I don't need to pay $35 for a thing of Mr. Hyde. They've got Mr. Hyde. And just having that in there I don't have any plans at the moment for when to go to the gym, but knowing that I've got that there, if I have an extra hour one day and you put that in a shaker, you're not not going to the gym. It's like well, the Theo Vaughn thing. You're not not doing all of your cocaine. <laughs> Try not to work out on Mr. Hyde. <laughs> well, I have protein powder, too. If you want protein powder, mm-hmm. I've got some. So no, I'm excited for you. Hell yeah, big life changes. Yeah, I'm only on... Uh... I've done three days now of being back in the gym, so I'm not very far into mine. <laughs> oh, it's an adjustment when you've been out for a while. Yeah, you were pretty sore. You got a big roller thing to help like break it up a little bit. Yeah. You were pretty pitiful there for a minute. Yeah, I think I'm going to get, um, trying to be, I don't know, trying to take it more seriously, because like, I think before I started doing weightlifting, it was a lot of just like, I'm just going to go like run for a while and do some crunches and hope for the best, <laughs> and like I'm trying to be like more following a plan and like viewing it the way like people that actually like legit, like um, not like weightlift and compete, but just like people that like weight train, yeah. trying to approach it with like the same attitude they do, so I'm like, okay, am I like getting enough protein am i drinking enough water well that's the thing that's the thing about you know right now i'm on four tens every week and this is going to be five eights if i understand it correctly um so it gives me an extra two hours to my day granted it takes away one whole day off but i'm so exhausted by the four tens that i sleep through that day for the most part anyway our sundays are brett wakes up around noon yeah. Makes breakfast, yeah. <laughs> goes to the store, buys what we're making for dinner, cooks dinner. <laughs> Sleep till noon on Monday and Tuesday also. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious to me because when we first met, you were the morning person. Yeah. And I was the person who would stay up late. And now we've definitely role reversed by 10. I'm like, can I go to bed? Well, I'm hoping that, you know, the new gig will make it a bit easier for me to get up. Cause, you know, I much like Jackson, his, you know, internal bleeding, I blew my hip out and that fucked me up for a year. <laughs> like where I was damn near Kristen would have to come into the room, grab my ankle and pull so I could hear it pop out of my body. And uh, that's starting to ease up gradually. Uh, the sciatica is less frequent. Um, and this new job will have me kind of on my feet walking around. Hopefully that helps everything out. And, um, more mobile. Yeah, and then start waking back up at my normal times. Well, it's probably also less of a bendy, twisty type of job, so it's probably <laughs> putting less strain on your body, too. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm excited about it. Get back in the gym, start lifting those weights, get my arms back. Do MMA gyms have weights, or do they just do like the actual... Some of them do. Uh, I don't know if the jiu-jitsu gym will have like a, a weight thing. Um, if I found a proper MMA gym, they might because they would have heavy bags to hit. There'd be a ring, a jiu-jitsu gym. I think you just have mats, and then you do, like, your other stuff outside of that. So I'm not not sold that I'm going to go to this jiu-jitsu one. You're going to have to settle um, for my Planet Fitness on the side. That, or there's a really cool, like, membership gym that's downtown. Mm-hmm. But they got wonky hours, and I don't know if I'm... I just wish they had a Golds. Just give me my dumb weights and put me next to the dumb there's, guy who screams. several... <laughs> um, like smaller weight gyms around here. I know they just cost more and I don't want to pay more because 
the people that go work out there are probably three times bigger than me and actually yeah (laughs) actually know what they're doing and i don't want to pay a bunch of money and then have some dude that's like 500 pounds staring at me like you're an idiot get out of my way that's the thing with the ones that i've found is like they've got a 20 person in the building limit per hour or whatever it is and i don't want to show up and go I'm going to get my workout in at 2 and find that I'm number 21, so I've got to hang out for an hour and then get stared at angrily by the guys that are number 23. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Planet Fitness probably isn't ideal, but it's not a bad place to start. No, it's so a good place to start. Eventually, eventually, we're going to have house and home gym. Yes, uh, and I can put a heavy bag up. Not gonna have to wait on anybody to use my own equipment. And I can scare you like I used to scare my mother. No, I'm gonna put I'm you gonna in. Put the it room. on. A, I'm gonna put you in like a separate shed. You don't <laughs> not get attached to, to the building. You don't get to be near me. It's like that's Brett's rage room. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the weights in the garage because I want to use the weights. Your heavy bag can go in the shed. <laughs> Kristen's like I don't need to sleep the side of my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to listen to the. Well, that was the problem that I had in high school is my dad got me into boxing and stuff like that pretty young because I was getting picked on all the time in middle school. And so he bought a 120-pound, whatever it was, heavy bag and drilled it into the ceiling in the garage, but the dumbass put it in a support beam that ran through the entirety of the house. Like So when anybody would hit it, because my mom got a little bit into you know kickboxing, is like a like cardio workout, not so much as like a competitive type kickboxing so when either one of us was out there in the garage the whole house would shake but it was one of the things that would drive my mother insane because if I came home late from work and she was like trying to watch TV I'd hit that heavy bag boom and like the whole house it would like rattle the dishes and like the, <laughs> the paintings would you not like want to put it I mean not on a support beam that's like a main support this was like beam an for integral part for the house <laughs> but like would you not want to put it on a support beam just for structural you like, definitely reasons? do but this was like one that seemed to run all the way from the garage to the bedrooms and if you were upstairs um, there was a room right above the garage and it would shake the floor whenever you hit it like my my dad would go out there sometimes and I'd be playing a video game in the room above the garage and it would just be like (laughs) yeah putting you in a shed I'm good with it he was like hiding his face in his mouth (laughs) put myself out in the shed Nobody puts baby in the shed. <laughs> What's that strange little room over there? It's like, oh, Brett hits the heavy bag with a baseball bat on occasion. There's a writing desk, you know. There's poetry on the walls. There's also pictures of the Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to put it next to the house. It's going to be off in some like hill in the it's distance. It's a quarter mile away. i got to get one of those rock crawler vehicle <laughs> things to drive out to my rage room. But it'll be like up on a hill so people can see it like as the sun sets and you just see a silhouette in the house. <laughs> Catching flies with chopsticks. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax Clean my car while you're out there. <laughs> oh, no, I'm really excited for you though, I think. So that's where he goes to scream. <laughs> it'll be really good and I think it'll be um I think good for both of us to just have a change of pace like I'm not leaving my job um but I'm moving to a new position in my job and scaling back to part-time and even just that I'm like I think it's gonna be yeah. like really good it'll be really good for you especially with you know your wedding stuff that you've got going on on the side and trying to eventually like transition into something around that model I think it'll be really good to just completely drop 20 hours out of that or however many hours it is that you do drop from your you know being in the job that way you're spending half of the time in the real world and half of the time beyond the veil i think it'll be awesome i am curious if uh um going back to college and like viewing it through the lens of um you know pursuing like a higher level of education if it's going to be any different or if I'm still going to be like this like oh god where's my class where am I going <laughs> what do you mean is there a place that sells coffee like, I don't know you know when you're like new to college and it seems like this kind of like never ending like fuck I'm late it's like I gotta it's, run it's a whole city yeah, yeah. I, I felt that way all the way up until I think like halfway through my final semester oddly when I should have been the most focused I was like I don't give a fuck <laughs> I've got so many papers. If I'm late to the class, I just won't go to it, and I'll do all the work for it in the library. 
Like I've, I've missed whole classes where I've just emailed the professors and been like, I'm not going to make it into any of my classes today, so here's the papers that are due, because I've got to write. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I definitely enjoyed um, whenever I got up into my junior and senior level classes and I was actually studying, like, what I wanted to study. I enjoyed the classes, but I always vaguely felt like... I don't know. I felt a lot like less. Like, I didn't have it figured out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the worst. I had a class that was all um, was etymology. Is that the history of words? History of I language? think so, yeah. Yeah. It was like that on steroids, where the lady who taught it, God bless her, I'm not, not going to say anything negative about the woman, but she was obsessed with the history of the English language which sounds healthy, sounds interesting when you describe it like that. But when I say the history of the English language, uh, she would say, well, there were these people in Europe in 1297. And when they said, duh, it meant my heart blooms every time I see you or something like that. <laughs> so you would go through like these noises that like the, the Slavs and the uh, people... Uh, uh, this is how boring this class was for me. I couldn't tell you what their names are. Slavs is not right. <laughs> These people in England um, at the time, like the, these weird symbols that they would make and how they blossomed from these weird symbols all the way through. But there was a way to read, and this is the part where I was always fucked up, should we give you like a paragraph of like an actual written report from this way, way dead language. And you'd have to read it with like an 89% accuracy or something to pass the test. Like the bar for uh, 100 was, you know, in that 89 to 91 percentage. And if you looked at it, I couldn't tell you where the is anywhere in this paragraph. <laughs> and so you would study these symbols and these weird words and until we would get to the one where it was like water, W-H-A space T-E-R <laughs> or T-I-R or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, they're like liquid flow or some shit like that. <laughs> it was like harder than Spanish. And it's English. Were you required to take that? Or I was had that to just take it. I tried so fucking hard. I was like, this is going to be boring and I'm never going to understand it. I wound up passing the class with a B because she had to grave on a grade on a curve because everybody was just wall-eyed staring at this woman going, I know you think this is interesting, and I'm sure that it is very interesting, but I have no fucking clue what you're trying to yeah, convey or why I'm in this classroom right now. Listening to you explain it is putting me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it, it, there's certain decisions that the advisors made that made sense, you know, that in retrospect they didn't make sense to me at the time like I didn't understand why I needed three years of Spanish for an English degree by the way I've retained none of it I wasn't retaining Spanish at the time when I was taking the Spanish I I, I know about as much Spanish as I did going into Spanish <laughs> three years I uh, tried really hard <laughs> and, um, but at the time they were like well if you understand a romance language then you'll understand a lot more about the English language because English is like a collection a lot of our language comes from these romance languages and at the time I was like well that's Spanish and I write in English and if I need to write in Spanish I'll hire a guy to translate the book if it's doing that well that I'm killing it in the Latin markets I'll find a guy and in retrospect it does make a lot of sense because if you think about in Spanish um, like the gendering of a table or the way that the words are, you know, this is the house of Kristen, as opposed to this is Kristen's house. Those little thought experiments were hugely beneficial, despite the fact that I still don't know the fucking language. I could be like, bueno, like if, I'm, I'm good if I run Como in, estas. yeah, I would run into a couple of like Mexican families when I was working um, my job in Nashville, and I couldn't speak their language you know, but bits and chunks, and they couldn't speak English, but bits and chunks, and we would be, you know, in a gas station just trying to get through something very basic, and we'd eventually get there, and like I settled this argument between a Mexican woman and a gas station attendant in Nashville, because the uh, 
gas gas station attendant didn't know like a basic word like manana or something like that and i was like i i heard that word today she's trying to tell you this <laughs> she's trying to ask for $25 on pump 7 or something like that. I think manana is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> one of those basic things, you know, if you're semi-familiar, you can get into it. So it was beneficial in, in that way for what it's supposed to be. Uh, but if I hung out in a Mexican restaurant every week while I was in college trying to pass by asking the bartender to help me out. <laughs> it's like, what is SACE? What is SACE? What is and, the history of SACE? Am I SACE? <laughs> Are we all SACE? <laughs> the answer to the universe is SACE. <laughs> um, I believe it's actually Quattro, but, but I never I, saw that movie. I guess I didn't really have um, that kind of experience. Because, sorry, I've been at work all day, I'm a little tired. Yeah, you um, just had to listen to that boring yeah, story. Yeah, I know, God. <laughs> just kill me now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I, I think for me, um, there's definitely aspects of filmmaking I'm not as interested in. Like, I do not want to be... A filmmaking, you so. Yeah. Um, I do not want to be, like, the person who does the audio. I, I'm not... I should be better at it. I'm not super good at, like, lighting and stuff like that, but because there's so... I like so... the way you light stuff. Oh, God, I'm not any good at it. Um, well, I take pictures at 45 degrees. I love the way you like things. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. But, but because there's so many like categories of what you can learn to do filmmaking, um, I didn't have to do like offshoots like that where it was like, we're specifically only going to learn about Shakespeare. It was like, these are all the filmmaking things you could possibly learn. Pick one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I did a lot of stuff based on like... Um, did you take a Shakespeare? I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. I don't know why I'm doing that. Go ahead. Rude. Rude. Uh, no, I did not take a Shakespeare class. No Shakespeare classes or even like directors? Did they have like courses like these are? Um, so they had a um, directing actors class, I think is what they called it. It wasn't necessarily per se like a filmmaking thing. It was like this weird offshoot where you worked with the theater students. Mm -hmm. And I think it was kind of a bit more in that setting, like directing a production, not necessarily a film. No, I mean, like, these are the films of Francis Ford Coppola, and we're oh, doing like these for a studied? semester. Mm -mm. No, I just had a film studies class, so we just studied film in general. Ones. Yeah, so it was kind of like the history of film, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, a lot of mine was like, here's all the things you could study if you really wanted to, and there was enough that you could kind of pick and choose what you were actually interested in and still managed to fill the gap I did do because the downside to college especially whenever you're doing your bachelor's is um, not every class is available every semester during a time that works for you <laughs> uh, so sometimes you kind of have to work with that so I did do like an audio class that was really geared for musicians and not wow. filmmakers <laughs> um, and it was boring and it was the first and only class it like how to layer tracks no, it's just like all the different audio equipment and like all the different audio terms and sound waves and just like really like technical to like a point where it was not relevant to mm -hmm. me at all. Um, and I should have listened because two people warned me not to take it, but I was desperate to fill that time slot yeah. because I was doing like 12. Sometimes or... you just need the hours. <laughs> yeah, I was doing like 12 or 15 hours every semester. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was trying to stay at that limit because if I went below it, I wasn't going to graduate the semester yeah. I wanted to graduate. Um, and yeah, everybody warned me not to take it. And like, Brett and I did kind of similar things. Like, I went to college straight out of high school. Um, wasn't really focused, didn't really know what I wanted to do, didn't really do that great grade wise came back so much better than <laughs> me i had a 0.02 <laughs> i fucking bombed <laughs> uh came back whenever i was ready to actually um you know study what yeah. i wanted to study and decided that i was gonna um get a degree in film and i did have a couple of gen eds i had to finish up but for the most part i only had like a semester of gen eds mm. left and then i moved into my upper division classes and because I was, like, older and more serious and actually studying stuff I was interested in, I made pretty much straight A's the entire time that I came back. But this fucking audio class, I scraped a C. <laughs> Scra like, I was, like, 
And it was one of those classes where you couldn't get less than a C, so if I'd gotten a D plus, I would have failed the class. Yeah, um, yeah. scraped a C up out of the, like... <laughs> I've, got, I've got a question that brought up, like, an interesting thought in my head, because I did do the exact same thing. I went for a year, I bombed my first semester, and then joined the Air Force in the second semester without telling the school that I was not coming back to the school, and thus failed everything and uh, completely leveled my GPA. But going the man I am now looking at the man that I was then, I think my advice to myself would have almost been just get through the gen eds and then stop. Come back when you know what you want to do to finish this off. Because I had a bunch of friends who did go in at 18, graduated with a bachelor's at 22, and don't have any interest in what it is that they initially went to school for. Yeah. Uh, whereas I also have friends who did what we did, went in initially, got overwhelmed by why the fuck am I in a biology class, you know, and then came back at a later date going, I want to be a radiologist. I, I really want to be a radiologist. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably That's wouldn't. A bad example. I don't have any radiology <laughs> friends. I probably honestly wouldn't recommend going at all straight away if you don't know what you want to do. If you feel like you already know what you want to do, then yeah. Um, but... Um, and it's quite a while. It's like a decade. But uh, mm-hmm. colleges will only count your credits for so long. And if you go for your gen eds and then take time off and then wait too long and go back, you have to start completely over. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, uh, so in my head, I'd be like, you know, do the first year, get all those knocked the fuck out of the park, take a year, and then come back into it when you don't need to wake up for that biology test. You can focus on the thing that you love without having to study this thing that you might not love. Gen Ed's never made sense to me. And then you also have to reapply to go to the college and everything. Like, it just... True. Like, I I feel like if you don't know what you want to do, I would maybe travel or try to take up a trade do or what they do in europe and job take shadow that, yeah, take that job where they just take a or that thing that they do in europe where they just take a year off after high school yeah. and go live their life in a gap year yeah. and then come back and because honestly um that was how i figured out that i wanted to do film i mean like i've always been super interested in film but like i felt like i think there's a lot of pressure to get a practical degree that's mm-hmm. going to actually be useful and that you're more than likely going to get money from. So I think I felt really guilty about uh, degrees that aren't necessarily required. Like, you can work in the film industry and not have a degree. You don't have to have a degree yeah. to make movies. I went in initially, I wanted a major in criminal justice and a minor in psychology because even till this day, like, I, I love homicide investigation stories like if I can find a good documentary or something like that where they really get into the technical aspects of and then here's what happened during the investigation here's the blood splatter result here's the witnesses that we interviewed to this day I I still find it something that I'm very passionate about but it's not something that I wish I was doing at 31 you know like Like you could always still I mean like if you wanted to write a book about that you could always still like go hang out with like someone who works in that field and like follow them around and like take notes and stuff but I would have been qualified at the time I wanted to be one of those FBI profiler dudes and I would have been hyper qualified for that there's not a lot of gigs in that position of profiling for serial murder <laughs> no probably not there's probably like all of one yeah for there's like one major dude every units. state yeah um uh, but what i was saying a second ago is like i felt guilty about getting a degree um in something that doesn't require a degree so like I felt like I, I had to search. Like I felt like I had to search for like more practical degrees. It was like initially it was like I was gonna get a There's degree not. in public relations or a degree in journalism or something. That's like a field that they really want you to have a degree in in order to work in that field. I thought about journalism when it came to the writing, and then I found out that they had creative writing. And I looked around. I was like, well, there's not an art school in Nashville, so I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but like I, I went. Um, for my quote-unquote gap years <laughs> that I took, I went and, like, worked on film sets and freelanced and, like, 
like for me that was kind of my like oh that is what I want to do and I would like to have a degree in it so like I got to a point where I was like yeah I don't really care if other people say you don't need a degree I want one so I I don't think I would go get your gen eds I think I would just take time off and maybe if you have a thing you're vaguely interested in see if you can find someone who will let you come hang out with them yeah almost like get an internship in early as opposed to going straight into the because you worked on a bunch of different productions and stuff like that and if you would have gone in and gone well I hate this then you hadn't done that before then you would have gone through your college experience with this image of what that is and then got out of college and been like I don't want to fucking be a you know director of photography (laughs) no interest in that Look how often they get yelled at, how early they have to wake up. Look at all of this equipment. Like, if you got overwhelmed at the set, um, it would suck to have spent all that money and then wound up day one, well, this is my life now, and I've got to trudge through it because I have... Instead, you did the opposite. It was like me with my my writing. If I would have gone and gotten a degree in journalism... I'm sure I'd be happy working for the Missoulian, but I don't want to work at a newspaper for the next 30 years. I want to do creative things that involve film, short stories, flash fiction. Like, it opened up so many doors of, I like writing. Show me as much writing as I can possibly fucking do. And boom. It sucked to have gone in and been like, I want to be a writer. Like I didn't have any passion for the written word in the slightest. I think that's a brilliant point you just made. But we all know secretly you want to be a Shakespearean writer. I do. That's your, your life's goal. I would goal. like to do endless analysis of Hamlet. <laughs> that's your, your life's goal there. That took a year. <laughs> took a year of Shakespeare classes. I did almost all of the major plays. I think, actually, all of the major plays, plus a few of the minor plays. Um, just to find out what I thought about Hamlet without those classes. Was, I think Macbeth was good. <laughs> I'm happy I read Hamlet for the 30th goddamn time. Macbeth is still his best work, and uh, I didn't have any major takeaways from the class. I think my intro paper, because I had the same professor that taught Shakespeare for both semesters. And uh, I think my initial paper, when he's like, well, what do you know of Shakespeare? And I was like, well, Miss Wolf made me read Macbeth when I was 16, and I thought Macbeth was awesome. I think the rest of it's dog shit. We don't need it anymore. Yes, they are the atyp- They are the um, prototype for every form of storytelling. I can give them that. Without Romeo and Juliet, you don't have most romance storylines. I get that. I don't like it. Happy he did it. It's yeah. awesome for him. I also don't like Canterbury Tales. It's not something that I would crack open and have a jolly old laugh to, but I appreciate what they did for narrative. <laughs> you know what was a good story? No Country for Old Men. No, we watched Stay. Stay. Stay I don't, I don't know where awesome. we're at time-wise. I don't know if we'll actually talk about no, it today. we can do like a good five minutes. A good five minutes? Five, ten minutes? How dare you, sir? We're at 38. We could do... How dare you, sir? Go to 48, <laughs> 55, something like that. Um, yeah. That was a beautiful movie. That opening sequence of the car crash, where it's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's dive into that for a, a brief moment. Yeah, I don't have any of the information in front of me because we're not Ryan Reynolds. We're not doing a two star or anything. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was Deadpool, and I was like, that dude's acting Ryan his Gosling. ass off. <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Um, so the movie's called Stay. I want to say it either came out in the late nineties or early two thousands. Early two thousands for sure. Yeah. Um, and the main actors are, I believe, her name is Naomi. Naomi Campbell. Campbell, I believe. And then there's also a supermodel that works for Victoria's Secret whose name is Naomi Campbell. Um, So Ewan McGregor, and I may be mispronouncing that, so my bad. No, I think you're right with you. Um, Naomi Watts, Ryan Gosling. Naomi Campbell's the Victoria's Secret model. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Who's Bob Hoskins? Uh, He was in Stay. (laughs) Was he? Was he really? Uh, He was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And Super Mario Brothers. 
stays from 2005. Mid-2000s, whatever then. That's close. Directed Uh, by Mark Forster and written by David Benioff. There you go. Um, Really good movie, though. I don't want to give away... What? The dude who wrote it wrote Game of Thrones. Nice! (laughs) Not the books. But the TV show. show. Obviously not the books. (laughs) Um, I don't want to give away any major plot points, because if you've never seen it, the ending is sort of a twist. Mm -hmm. And I I think there's a bit of debate about the interpretation of the ending. Um, But basically, Ewan McGregor's character is um, a psychiatrist and his female friend psychiatrist takes a leave of absence from work so he kind of inherits her patient which is Ryan Gosling's character mm-hmm. um, and Ryan Gosling pretty much immediately at the beginning of the appointment tells uh, Eowyn that he's going to kill himself Yeah, and he's very frustrated that his actual shrink isn't there and yeah. that Ewan's not read his file and yeah yeah, so he, he tells him he's got a plan to kill himself, but it's not till Saturday, don't worry. They've got time to talk about it and figure it out. And then um, Naomi Watts is an artist who was formerly Ewan McGregor's patient. She mm-hmm. was suicidal and depressed and started seeing him, and perhaps maybe not the best medical practice, he starts fucking his patient. Yeah. Very (laughs) illegal, especially in the field of psychiatry. Which, to be fair, they don't really specify if they developed a relationship before or after um, she stopped seeing him, because she's no longer his patient at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, She does take medication, and he kind of helicopter uh, boyfriends her a bit with that, like, making sure she's taking her medication Mm -hmm. and that she's not, like, going to off herself. Um, but the three of them, like, their realities kind of start tangling in with each other because he's really paranoid that the suicidal patient is going to somehow make his girlfriend suicidal also, but then he's really paranoid that the suicidal patient is going to off himself, and, like, as the movie carries on, it starts becoming less and less clear whose Mm -hmm. reality is actually happening. very sunshine in that regard, where, like, her paintings start bleeding into the real world, and then... Like he's got false memories, I believe, at some point of what's actually happening versus where his dreams are leading him. And Ryan Gosling's characters like constantly hearing voices <laughs> and like um, people that you encounter throughout the movie. It's questionable about whether or not they're actually alive or whether or not they're actually there at all. <laughs> so it's a neat little like. It was gorgeously shot. <laughs> I do want to throw that out because I did enjoy the movie. The it's ending, pretty shot. But in a good way. I said it was a pretty shot, but in a good way. Oh, the entire thing is very, very well done. Transitions were really Transitions were incredible. The color schemes where we would pick up on, you know, because The black and white. The black and the white. Um, The library. Library that, like, grows in the background without being acknowledged, which kind of makes you feel uneasy, like, in certain... Remember that scene? I don't remember it growing, but I remember the library just taking up like it seemed like I it did came take up. an edible before we watched this, but <laughs> yeah. I remember the one scene where they're in like the library. It's kind of like a three-layer bookshelf, oh. and then like without them acknowledging it between shots, it started taking up the whole wall. No, I think it was already. Did the I whole make wall. that up? Yeah, I think you made that up. Oh, I was yeah. high. But no, it, it does seem to come out of nowhere because, and that's part, kind of confusing to me. I would need to do some research on that. Like, I don't know for sure if. Because they keep coming back to um, their apartments that they mm-hmm. live in. So I don't think, if I'm not mistaken... Um, well, actually, I do think. Um, I think Naomi and Eowyn live together. And he's got a ring that he's carrying around. And he's planning on proposing to her. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they show um, the entire apartment initially. You kind of get little sections depending on if they're in the bedroom or if they're in the living room or the kitchen. And so I'm a little unclear if they did that on purpose so it felt like you were always in a different location or if they actually physically filmed it in different locations because it never feels like they're in the same apartment, which I think is meant to add to the confusion. There was a lot of tension in the way that the locations themselves worked even. It's what I was saying about the color schemes and stuff. Is like they would like splatter shot a lot of red in one area, and then the next transition over, it would almost be a red lit room, 
or like they, they lean heavy on blue and then they scatter blue throughout the next scene. It, like just it, it feels like you're, yeah, you're falling apart or you're falling into place as you kind of go through it. It's almost a movie I could watch on mute and just go, wow. But they, <laughs> they do very blatantly use visual trickery. Like, there's several times where he's, like, going up and down stairs and the stairs seem to be never ending. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that was something that I thought was interesting. Like, every time we go back to their apartment, it almost feels like the apartment itself has changed like somehow yeah, yeah like i don't remember the kitchen looking that way or i thought the living room was a little bit different or whatever so like i don't know if it's just because you don't get to see the whole apartment all at once so when you see other rooms you're like oh that's not what i expected it to look like or if they did actually physically go in and change it so that mm-hmm. it felt disorienting but yeah there were several times where i was like are they that's in the a same good word ap- for most of the film yeah, yeah i was like but are they in the same apartment or is this a different apartment now yeah it, it works in that way and you made the connection to spotless mind um before we watched the movie and i was like well there's nothing that's going to freak me out quite like spotless did in that regard um but the way the about halfway through Eternal Sunshine and I finally realized that the hair color was changing every scene and I was like that means the timeline's been fucked up this whole movie and I'm not aware of what her hair color was at different stages what does it mean now that we're in these stages like that subtle change was and thank you for not ruining it especially with you know Spotless Mind it happened in real time to me where I was like, something's wrong here. Something, <laughs> something's yeah. not the lined up. The whole movie's up. out of order. <laughs> the whole movie's out of order and it hits you and you're like, am I being paranoid or was her hair red like 30 seconds ago and now it's green? Am I, what? Or, you know, something like that where it's like, was the couch cocked at that angle? Was that the same coffee table that was in the room? Is that a different color on the wall? You know, like... I'd have to rewatch it. You said we're buying the DVD, so we're definitely gonna rewatch it. But it was gorgeous. What did you think about? Which I don't want to go over it on here because, well, I guess we can. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about the ending. <laughs> um, so if you don't want to know the ending, turn it off because I, it is kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the ending? I, I feel like I semi predicted it but I really liked those kind of movies. Like, by the time we got there, I was like, oh, he's dying. And these are the people that are trying to save his life. Like, I, I felt like we, like I'd figured it out enough to where it wasn't a huge shock, you know, the way that the end of Eternal Sunshine was kind of like a, oh, that makes sense. So I, I don't know if they nailed... the execution of the like the effect that they were actually going for or if that was kind of the point you know I don't know it's not like and spoiler alert for a movie called Fracture take your time skip forward about a minute um Fracture you know Anthony Hopkins is guilty as shit you know that the detective knows that he's guilty as shit but you don't know how he's gonna bust Anthony Hopkins and when he finally does you're like, oh, that the the game's flipped here. It looks like Anthony's going to ride off into the sunset. He got away with the murder of his wife, but you forgot this small legal detail. I've got your ass. End of movie. Um, and when they piece it together, it's like the first time you watch Saul and the guy sits up from the floor. You're like, oh, well, that puts everything. It, it's a different kind of psychological thriller. It's like I kind of knew what was happening by the very end because you go through all these dreamscapes and then it's still beautiful. But I, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like on my first viewing anyway, and to be fair, I saw it a long time ago. I was younger. This was my first viewing. And by the end of the movie, I was high as a kite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first time I saw it, I was quite a bit younger. But, like, I do feel like they pretty successfully for the most part, keep the ending kind of tucked in because at the very, very beginning, you get the car crash and we see him safe, alive, sitting outside of the car and his Mm -hmm. car's on fire. And, like, 
the doctor so even... So you think that's the inciting event for his mental illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just kind of like he's struggling with something. Like, we think he's done something bad and we don't quite know what. And it may be related to the incident at the beginning of the film. But, like, the doctor even specifically asks him, like, why'd you light your car on fire? And so mm-hmm. it kind of implies, like, it's more of an arson thing than he got in a wreck. But then you get all these characters throughout the rest of the film that keep saying these, like, somewhat subtle, somewhat kind of, like, that was weird yeah. lines to him that, like, are kind of things you would say from a car crash. Like, I didn't move him. I know you're not supposed to move him. Or, <laughs> is he going to die? Or Are you okay? Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you get kind of, like, characters, like, saying stuff like that to him. And, like, his state of mind throughout the whole movie is so paranoid that you think maybe he's also imagining it. Yeah. Um... And I, I like that, I don't know, the very end of the film, you do kind of realize the whole movie, for the most part, has been his paranoid death delusion as he's mm-hmm. laying on the pavement dying. But at the same time, when Ewan McGregor and Naomi watch, wow. look at each other, he sees like a flash of the memories himself, so then you kind of get that like... Did any of it actually happen? Is, is this, this all his in last... his kid yeah. or in the kid's head? Are either of these characters actually real? Is this still a figment of his imagination? Yeah. Is Ewan a psychiatrist or is he literally the guy performing CPR? Yeah. So you, well, you kind of get this too. Like you still don't really truly know what reality is actually happening mm-hmm. at the end because it's a good point. Maybe I rewatch it a second time and I can kind of see that. Maybe going into it, especially again with an edible. Like, I had too much of a literal interpretation. Because, like, I started picking up on a bit of that language pretty early into the film, and I was like, I think he's dying in the car accident. But then, when you're high, sometimes I make up whole plot lines that could be offshoots for the movie, so... But Ewan does have, like, a flash of, like, memory of his relationship with Naomi. Mm -hmm. Like, he sees it himself after we're at the end of the film and they're both hovering over him as he's dying, like, he remembers the kid's memories. So it's, Mm -hmm. like, this, like, bending of whose reality is actually happening. That's a very interesting point. I'll definitely have to rewatch at least that end sequence. Or we'll have to go read some essays. Go read some essays. I love reading essays. (laughs) You know what else I love? What? My beautiful, beautiful wife. My beautiful wife. I love you more. And um, buffalo chicken sliders, which I'm about to go make. There's another happy, happy world. With the zen fountain in the background. Let me turn that down. (laughs) Turn that fountain down. I love you, sweetheart. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you next week. I got that job. Job, 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 job. Jobs, 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 jobs. I think you're thinking of jobs, jobs, jobs. <laughs> jobs, 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 jobs,